Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Morning Skate. Another solo brownie uh, hosting with uh, my partner, Ked, still working out the kinks on the new uh, union job. So he's got doesn't have as much free time right now. So I am honored, lucky to be joined today by an individual who I've followed for a long time online. Uh, 20 plus years covering your NHL for Sirius, NHL Network, ESPN, Nesson. Currently, uh, Boston Hockey Now and Montreal Hockey Now. I guess I'll let that out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite blogs from back in the day was Murphy's Hockey Lot, too. Ladies and gentlemen, Jimmy Murphy. Murph, welcome to the pod. Hey, what's up, my man? I'm just, you know, fixing that little back screen there because I'm definitely not in the forest since that place is on clothes. <laughs> That's a great backdrop, though. Yeah, it is, though. I love it. I love it. And it's got some it's got some great memories behind there for me uh, back in the days when I started as a reporter, actually. Yeah. But anyhow, uh, yeah, yeah, not with Montreal hockey now anymore, my man. I, I oh, no, I'm sorry. Nope, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just strictly Boston and kind of that's the much better, scene. anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I helped I, those guys get it going up there, and now I'm back on the Boston scene. So I do have a message too. Uh, Jace at Jocko has asked me, uh, asked me to mention if he wants, you want you to pour him a cab. If he, if you want him to pour you a cabernet, I, yeah. uh, I met him last week because I uh, doing some an estimate for him for work on his house. Oh, really? Yeah, and we start his his son's a very uh is very much a hockey crazy kid. And uh we started talking about hockey and he asked if I knew you and I was like actually uh I'm supposed to have him on the podcast in the next little while. He was like, "Oh, make sure you tell him I said it what's up and that I'd have a cabernet waiting for him." So, <laughs> he does, guy. my man. So, uh, you know, about 8 years ago, I actually had to go gluten-free because I got diagnosed with celiac. Oh. And uh so it became a big wine connoisseur and, uh, you know, find you find your good house wines at the different bars around the place. Yeah. And Jocko's has got a great one. And uh, Jay's pour is a good one. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. He'll, yeah. He'll, uh, he'll kill off like a bottle with about two and a half pours. Don't get him in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's good. He's a good guy. Yeah. Real good guy. Real good guy. Well, let, let's jump into it. So, oh, one other thing I did want to say for those who never read, uh, Murphy's Hockey Lot, which, quite honestly, one of the best logos in all of in all of any hockey Irish related paraphernalia. It's it's really interesting you bring this up because I, it's it's crazy actually because there's something something about that that's uh, let's just say could be coming back into the works. Really, in the very, all right, very near future, yeah. Well, sign me yeah. up for a shirt or a hat if you. Yeah, if you end man. Up doing we, those. And I, I think that's. I mean, screw me. They didn't like the the talk, the hockey talk. They just loved the logo. Well, the, uh, the the hockey talk was great too. I enjoyed yeah. it. I used to read it all the time. And no, and but you don't know how many people still ask me for that T-shirt. Really? Like, we, we gave those away at a. I believe it was like 2014. Uh, I was up there doing that show for Sirius XM, and we were at McLean's in Montreal on Peel Street right near the uh, Bell Center there at the bottom of Peel. And, you know, it, they just got these shirts made. I, I forget who the, the beer sponsor was, but they put them together. And, you know, I supplied the logo and people were going crazy for them because they, they just, they, it was St. Patrick's Day. They got yeah. the shamrock, you know, and so everyone loved them. So I still get people asking for those shirts. So those could be coming back very soon. Oh, that's great. It was yours. Uh, it was uh, the hockey law site and um, uh, Finn's touching all the bases were the ones I used to keep up with. You yeah. remember Chad Finn's 
Yeah, man. He's still doing great with Boston Hockey, uh, with Boston.com now. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm a I'm a longtime fan of of your your work, and it's it's a real thrill for me to get you on here, a Big J journalist, you know, on the on the pod here. Um, <laughs> well, let's let's uh the first thing I want to ask you because you were covering the Bruins almost on a daily basis, right, during the 2011 Cup. Give me your best behind the scenes moment. Oh, yeah, just something that well, pops in your head. I know you're not prepared for it. I just wanted yeah. to ask. I love yeah, hearing that's these all right. stories. That's all right. I mean, I, I would say, I, I would actually say it, it's two moments. It's it's kind of um, when they lost to the Flyers, and yeah. you know they blew that three nothing series lead, three nothing lead in Game Seven. Um, I just, I remember having a conversation with Mark Recchi and, you know, he just looked at me and he says, we're going to win the cup next year. No shit. Yeah. And he, and, and he awesome. just, he just had this look in his eye and he said, no, we needed that. That that's exactly what this team, this, this core, that's what they needed. They needed a big slap in the face. Uh, you know, and he, he, he believed in them, but he had thought they got a little complacent and a little ahead of themselves. And, uh, obviously they did. And, and that's what happened. And then, you know, you fast forward to, uh, is the night before game seven, I, I get a text from, from Rex, uh, right before that happens, you know, just obviously a huge moment for the Boston Bruins in their history and Mark Recchi going into a game seven, and what could possibly be his last game. Right. And he just said, this is it. Win or lose. I'm out. Oh, and he gave me time. that. Yeah. And he gave me that. And I ran with it. And uh, we had it the next morning in ESPN Boston when I was uh, working with them. So that's, yeah, that's probably one of the coolest moments in my, uh, my hockey journalism career for sure. It was just uh, that relationship I had with him and watching that team go from that point to that point. Yep. And then doing it. And then he, you know, they won it and he went out with a win and just seeing him in that interview with Pierre Maguire at the end of the game. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's what he had the, you know, the, the, the fantasy ride off into the sunset, win the games, yeah. win game seven, Stanley cup. See you later. I mean, no one gets that. It's, it's uh, and the other thing you touched on with the having to lose before you could win, that's something that's been talked about ever since Gretzky came out with, with the, uh, you yeah, know, with the Islanders, right. Yeah. And I think people overlook that. Yeah. Well, all right. So now the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> you want to talk about the Panther series at all? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to be like, uh, no, I know. Happy, I know you're doing. happy go lucky and oh, I'm ignorant and dumb or anything. But I mean, you, you could kind of draw a parallel yeah. to what we just talked about. You know, what we just spoke about there, where a team suffers just such a, such a stunning, drastic moment, you know, like that nobody saw coming uh, and just, you know, that shock and that, that embarrassment. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I don't, I don't, I, I won't say this. When Recky said that to me in 2010, I could totally see it happening. Yeah. I totally could see, yeah, that could happen with this team. I don't have that. Yeah. Short feeling about what I just saw with the Bruins and the Panthers and what they went through in the regular season. I just, there's something missing to me that they need to find. And I'm not saying they can't find it, but you know, they do have like that 2010 team. They've got a ton of motivation 
to just shock the world and get right back to where they thought they would be last year and get to that Stanley Cup final and go for it. Who knows? Uh, there's just there's so many question marks around this team right now. Yeah, it's crazy. And and I know Don Sweeney gets a lot of heat, but I don't know what more you can ask from a GM to go all in at the trade deadline like he did in that, you know, in the last spring. Look, you know? I, I'd say right now, I mean, the only thing that Boston Bruins fans should be mad at Don Sweeney about right now. Well, actually, I'll say two things. One would be, what the hell was he thinking signing Mitchell Miller? Right, just, right. It made no sense. And it was a, if not for the season that the Bruins had Much after bigger. that, yeah, I don't know if Don Sweeney has a job right now. Yeah, that's fair. I really don't. I mean, it, it was just that much of a colossal PR F up that, you know, not many teams could recover from, but they did. And then the other thing I would say is, you know, people are just going off on him about how can he let Tyler Bertuzzi walk? How can they get him signed and all? No, the, the question you need to be asking Don Sweeney is, how have you let yourself be in this situation two straight seasons where you don't know if Bergeron and Krejci are going to retire and you haven't addressed your top six center position. That's, that's, that's the big question I'd be asking Don Sweeney right now. Not why, why couldn't you give that? Why couldn't you match that deal with Toronto? No. Who cares about Tyler Bertuzzi? Honestly, overrated. Honestly, <laughs> well, go do your research about Tyler Bertuzzi and get back to me. Completely overrated by yeah. Bruins fans after that trade deadline. I don't know what the hell it was, but you know, good riddance. The guy coughed up so many pucks. I mean, only David Pasternak had as many cough-ups as he did in the playoffs. Overrated. The Bruins' focus needs to be the center position right now, and that is an absolute mess. That's, so, that's what you got to worry about right now as you go into this season. The longer it goes without an announcement from Krejci and Bergeron, do you – I'm not going to hold you right. I'm not going to be like, oh, Murphy said, but – the longer it goes without a retirement statement, I would think the odds increase for them both coming back. No, you don't think. All right. No. You're much more dialed in than I am. No, I'm looking I, would, outside. I would say I, I would think right now. I mean, if you were put a gun to my head, I'd say Bergeron's going to be back and Krejci's not. That was the vibe I got. Cause he said, and, some and, and I would back, say right? that Krejci's already made his decision. Now I might, just look like an idiot tomorrow after we record this. Who knows? But that's just the vibe I've gotten all along. Bergeron is very much up in the air. Um, I I do think you 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 need to read into the whole Lucci signing. Right. I, I I don't think that's an overrated theory. Where you know why would Lucci come back if he if he thought that both of those guys would be gone, and it wasn't really you know like he said it's it's just pasta who he played one year with, and then Marchand, obviously, he played plenty of years with as the, the two guys remaining on the team. I, I, I just – I get a feeling he at least had some kind of vibe or some understanding that Bergeron's going to be back, and then you couple in the centennial season and all that. So that's sort of where I stand with that. But honestly, I, I think it's still very much a question mark. Okay. Which, um... which goes back to what we were saying is – well, then how do you let yourself go right, into Then you're right back into the same conversation. Purgatory right? where you're at, right? And not have a center lined up. I, I just, I don't get it. You don't you don't like Zaka and Coyle as your one-two centers? No. <laughs> People are where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Even though. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, so 
All right. So outside of Krejci and Bergeron, any player to watch in your mind upcoming, take that big step. I read your thing today about DeBrusque, how all the other teams are circling if they don't get him signed. Uh, I, I just would, yeah, I, I agree with what you were saying about DeBrusque. Just any other players that you think is going to take, like you could make the argument that Zaka took a big step, I thought, when he came mm-hmm. over from New Jersey. Anyone else like on your radar for that? A rostered player already? Well, I mean, I think a guy to look at right now, and he, I think that this guy's a huge X factor, whether he, he could be traded within days. I mean, because maybe they think they can't, they can't take care of the, the cap hit he might get in arbitration. I think that's Trent Frederick. Yeah. He could be traded in three days or, you know, two months from now, he could be their fourth line center. You know, I, I think that they eventually want to get him back to the middle. He's a natural center. They tried him there. They gave him some auditions there last year. And from what I'm told, they were impressed with what he did. And they, they liked the improvement he made in his two-way game. Uh, they liked the discipline that he found. Uh, you know, he still is not going to be afraid to throw him. But, you know, he, he picks his spot a little better than he used to. And I, I think that guy is a big X factor in the Bruins' plans, not just this season, but going forward. You know, where he falls in that depth chart and also just the grit that he brings as well. Yeah, I, Frederick did towards the end of last year, or I guess midway on, he, he stopped taking those solo trips to the penalty box, which I think was yeah. a big big change. Um, do you have any ha, any inkling or where the sides are? I like I know the Bruins are notoriously tight-lipped with all this stuff, but I saw like it leaked out about Samsonov today that they're still like three million apart up in Toronto heading into arbitration you know yeah it's, it's been very quiet and uh, like don sweeney is he's like fort knox when it comes to yeah. that stuff um I, I would think they're probably a little not i would think i i could say i know they're closer on frederick in terms of term and, and you know and money there and just you know because I, I i think that he's shown promise but he hasn't really wild them yet and he hasn't done enough i think where yeah i know he's the one that elected the arbitration but i i think when it comes down to it the bruins hold a little more over him than they do over swayman yeah i think swayman right now holds all the cards and he holds the cards potentially yeah. for this roster in a big way because i think if they really want to get swayman signed to what he deserves and what he definitely believes he deserves and he, he can sit there and, and say, oh, I'm a Bruin, woohoo, black and gold, cheerleader, yeah, right. pom-poms. When it comes down to it, show me the money. Right, and, right. And he earned the money. So the Bruins need to step it up there, and it's not what they thought it was going to be. I don't think they can low, you know, come in low on him and, and try and do some kind of minuscule bridge contract that they've been famous for throughout the course of time. I don't think they could do that right now with Swayman. So they need to figure out how they're going to pay him. And that's the biggest thing right now. And like I wrote a couple of days ago, that, that could lead. That was to my next question. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they may have 5.4 in cap space, but you don't want to just spend right to that. Right. And go into the season with nothing. And then, you know, I know you can go a little above before the season begins, but you know, there, there's a lot of things going on there where I, I, I think that, you know, Sweeney can shoot down like he did the Grizzly trade rumors and all that other stuff. But the bottom line is, 
unless he's some kind of magician, he's got some trick up his sleeve that nobody's seeing right now. He's probably going to have to make another deal to make all these things happen and get everything in place for this season. If not one, it could be even two or three. Uh, I did see that no six signed with New Jersey. I think that was good for him. Yeah, it was good for him. He's another one of those players. I, I, you know, you understand why he's leaving. He signed a one-year deal. The Bruins are going to have 30 something million the end of next year. He could always come back after his one year in New Jersey. too. I just like him as a death player, you know? Yeah. There is a, there is a concerted effort to kind of filter their younger guys into those depth positions right now. Um, I, I think that's on finally. They've kind of dabbled in it for the past few years, but I think there's a much more concerted effort to get younger um, but at the same time, stay competitive, you know, when it comes down to it, everything we're talking about here, it just, it spells of a team that needs to make a decision where they're going. They can't go both ways at once. And I, I think this year is going to tell them where that route goes for sure. They get the one more year out of Bergeron. They can bring some of these guys on, bring them into a little bit bigger role with a little bit of a safety net. They got the veteran leadership, you know, Lucic and some of these other guys they brought in, you know, JVR about six years after they should have got them. And <laughs> they got, but they, I mean, they are depth pieces. You got Coil there and the Marshawn's a great leader, yeah. you know, so I can see it. It, it just, if Bergeron's gone, they're, 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 the Bruins basically just went to the pro am league down, you know, in the South Shore of Massachusetts, yeah. you know, and they're just kind of like signing players from there, and they're going to bring them in, and they're down the bog saying, "Who who needs a two way deal?" I get you. Um, so, you know, speaking of the young guys, uh, development camp just ended. Uh, there was I took a look at those at the D. You think Las Vegas has the blueprint? There wasn't a defenseman in development camp under six feet. There were some monsters out there. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the Bruins are looking that way because that's something they've lacked for so long, uh, especially in the playoffs when that becomes so valuable. So, yeah, I mean, there's a focus on that. And, you know, sometimes you're going to get guys that maybe aren't as skilled, uh, but if they can be a presence in front of the net and and, and bang guys around, they're at least worth, uh, you know, a six or a seven man on your blue line. Yeah, everybody wants Petrangelo, but there's only one of him, you know, and, right. and you know, everybody's looking for and that. how ironic, too, that, you know, Cassidy ended up with him because if Cassidy has that guy in 2019, the Bruins beat the Blues. Easily. Yeah, yeah. Well, everything about Cassidy winning. I mean, I'm super glad for him, and, and that was maybe a relationship that had run its course, and there's no hard feelings on either end of it. But the story with Bergeron calling Mark Stone and just, yeah, you know, that's just – that one, that one stung a little bit. I will say, yeah. <laughs> it is what it is, man. Hey, good for good for Cassidy, though. I always liked him as, and I'm sure as reporters, you guys loved him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was gold. He was gold because yeah. he didn't hold back. You know, and and obviously that was one of the downfalls with the players, and they didn't like how straight he was with us. But from everything I was told from players and people close to him, like he 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 did give them a heads up when he would you know, come out and say this to us, he would say, look, I'm, this is what I'm going to tell them. If you guys disagree with it, then tell me now and I'll take a bit different perspective. And, you know, that's what he went out to us with. So I, I get it. it, it you know, it's a different generation now, yeah. but I, I think when it comes down to it, um, players got to toughen up a bit. That's all I'll say. You know, it's funny. Uh, I, I talked with uh, Kevin Paul DuPont um around the time when DeBrusque asked for a trade 
and he's you know old school and he I, he was like can you imagine what harry sinden would have said if jake debrus demanded yeah. a trade now yeah. and i'm he like i'm old enough to remember that yeah, yodel over in Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's the same story that he he had talked about. Was there anyone at camp that stood out to you? Anyone that gave you a little bit of a wow? I mean, you know, not really. I, I think it was one of those camps. I, I, I think there's a lot of question marks around the prospect system right now, around what's what's common for the Bruins. And I don't think anyone sort of came out to me. I mean, look, I'll I'll – be straight up. I missed two days of it because uh, I finally took a vacation for the first time in God knows how long <laughs> around the 4th of July. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if I'm the best guy to ask, but I, I didn't think there was anyone that was that bad or that good. I, I just thought it was, oh, this is cool, whatever. It wasn't one of those camps where I was like, wow, I was really taken aback by that guy. Yep. Now, I, I, I think that I see some promise. I mean, I definitely think the goaltending position they've been focusing on. I think there's some promise coming there. And I think Poitras uh, could be a guy, a fine for sure. Um, Lysel, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think this year could be a do or die year for him in terms of where he stands in the Bruins' future. Um, He needs to take that next step now or never as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's a big storyline, I feel, going into into the season. Will he make the big club? Is he, ta- is he tapped out at AHL? Is this not the right game for him? There's a lot of question marks there. Yeah. And, you know, it, nothing, the one thing that Bruins fans are notorious for is being patient with product <laughs> and giving them time to develop properly. Everybody's still on Carlo. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask, so I know the Grizzly – trade package forbert has been talked about have is there any other names that you've been hearing kind of just besides rumored wise i think Derek forbert is a guy you got to look at right now i mean if if i'm reading sweeney correctly and everything he's told us you know he did a barrage of press availability which is very rare for him um but he did a lot within a short time there between the draft and free agency and then development camp and I, I, I thought the common thread there was that, you know, unless he's trying to pump up his value so he can get more in the trade market, I thought the common thread there was he's he's just fine with having Matt Grizzlick as part of his top four. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, is that – And he's you value? guys starting the rumors, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you know, but I, I think Forbit, I mean, he's a guy – you're not going to get much for him, but if mm. you can dump him, and even if you have to – sweeten it up a bit that's three million right there off your right. off your cap hit then you can start to realize what you got to pay swayman so i think he's the guy to look at i don't think he has the most value but i think that's the guy most desirable that they would move it's not that they it, you know and i say this and then fans are gonna be like what are you saying the bruins don't like it. it's not that they don't like him. they love him he's been a great guy he's been a good penalty kill guy he's been a good great penalty kill yeah yeah, he's a good guy in the locker room, and, and it is what it is, but it's just that's the cap world. And so if you're, you're kind of just really forced to choose, I think that's the guy they would be okay with moving. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, if they really want to do it, it's going to have to be somebody with a little more value, and then you look at Grizzly. Yeah, I would say Grizz. I would say Forbert's the easy dump. Grizzly's a little harder. Then you start getting crazy because then they start looking at guys that they may can't re-sign long term, and that leads to your DeBru- your DeBrusque article as well. Exactly. It depends how 
like the old uh, Michael Keaton. You want to get nuts, right? So that, <laughs> right? I mean, it all depends on what Don Sweeney wants to do. It's, you know, but I mean, just like every other fan, you start looking at it like, all right, if Bergeron doesn't come back and Krejci doesn't come back, we're looking at, you know, Marshawn, Zaka, Pasternak for your top line. Yeah. And then it gets super scary very mm-hmm. rapidly. And so it becomes all these fans that, you know, the Facebook people that you and I love arguing with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all it becomes, do you, are you happy with being uh, a Buffalo-esque situation or, you know, are we going to try to do something? And I just don't think the fans here are patient enough for that. Well, you know, I, I think that the the fan I get it. I get why they're not. You know, Boston sports fans have been spoiled for the last. Oh year. yeah. You know, I get it, but you know, there's going to come a time, and it may be coming sooner than they want, where you got to just turn things over and you got to start over, and it's it's going to hurt. It's going to suck for a bit. You know, and I think the Bruins are. They're either at it or they're they're very close to it right now. So I, I, I think, you know, Bruins fans need to go into this a little more open-minded with this season. This could be one of the coolest seasons ever because nobody's expecting anything. And it's, well, this still was the greatest technically, you know, right. stats-wise, the greatest regular season team ever. And, you know, this team could go in there and, and – kick some butt there. They could go in there and they could really just take care of business and and be a contender. But at the same time, it could go completely the other way. So you got to be ready for anything right now. I think that's just the direction that the Bruins are going in. And I think it's a direction that, you know, Bruins fans need to get used to for at least the next two to three years. It's amazing how much of a human band-aid Patrice Bergeron has become over the last three years. I mean, it's, and I say all the time, like my co-host makes fun of me whenever I bring him up on, on our regular weekly pod, he's like, Oh, three minutes and 47 seconds before you brought up Bergeron this episode. Yeah. That's what I said. I go, he's the perfect human. You can't, I mean, you know, what, what can you do? And it's going to be a sad day. I'm hoping for one more year. I mean, it makes sense. The centennial year, Lucic and you know, Fingers crossed with all that. Yeah, it is. But I, mean, I, I, I think we're all in agreement, though. Like I was just saying, though, there comes a time you got to yeah. you got to move on. And, you know, the Bruins are sort of in that purgatory right now. I get it. I'm not I'm not, you know, criticizing them for wanting Bergeron back. But at the same time, it's going to have to move forward sooner or later. Yeah. And I think going into it, if, if this is his last year, which by all accounts, it seems like if he comes back, this will be it for the centennial and everything else. Unless there's another shocker ending like this past season, maybe you can make that argument. But then they'll have all that cap space. They'll be able to kind of reset, reload, and maybe it'll just be like a small little bump. Yeah, as look what Colorado to, did. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, just got to find a Kale McCarr and we're all good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was only in your backyard, but yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> well, I do want to hit you with the lightning round questions. That's how we. Okay. That's how Let's we. That's it. how we always do these. Uh, these are all over the place. Just to warn you, favorite cartoon character. Ooh, I, I'm gonna say Ren from Ren and Stimpy. Oh, all right, all right. I thought you said Rent the the play. No, uh, Ren. 
out that's a good one outside of boston uh favorite and least favorite nhl rinks to visit favorite rink easily the bell center yeah uh least favorite uh too many bad ones out there you know like hmm I'd say probably Wells Fargo, whatever the hell they call it now in Philly. Philadelphia. I, I was going to say Spectrum, but I know that's not right. Yeah, it's not Spectrum. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's still Wells Fargo. Okay. Uh, go-to pizza topping. Go-to pizza topping. Bacon. Wow. Uh, who would play you in a movie about your life? Oof. Interesting. Uh, Ed Norton. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, what's a skill you don't have but wish you did? I see the future. All right, all right. Uh, <laughs> what's your best quote unquote worst interview athlete interaction? That you're that you're comfortable sharing. Uh so you want a best and a worst, you're saying? No, no, the your best worst interaction. Like when DuPont was on, he talked about how one time Wayne Cashman had him by the throat up against the locker room wall about something he wrote, which that no one got hurt. It's a funny story now, 30 years later. Um and I'm not saying something like that, just something awkward or funny, you know, anything. Well, because hmm. <laughs> there's a couple. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble either. <laughs> um, I think it's a tie, so I'm going to have to give you two. All right. Uh, there was early in my career, uh, Ed Balfour was still floating around. And um, I came in and, you know, nobody was talking to him after practice and you know, he had uh, been through a rough start his last start. I think he'd given up like six goals or something. And um, I just looked at him. I said, you open or what? <laughs> and he looked up at me and he stared at me. He looked down. And he took his goalie pad and hopped it at me and said, fuck off. <laughs> so that. That was, that was pretty interesting. <laughs> that's a closed. Then I'm, I'm guessing that's a closed. Not open. And then the other one would be uh, Andrew Ference. Uh, I'm gonna say probably 2013, 2012, 13, uh, when the whole thing went down. And I'm not gonna get into it. We could do a whole episode mm -hmm. on it. But he was very responsible for what I still claim was a coup. Uh, ousting Paul Kelly uh, as NHLPA head, and he knew I knew the details and. Uh, I had written about it. He wasn't too happy about it. And I asked him some point blank questions. He kept ignoring me. And I said, why don't you get some balls and answer my question? And he just looked at me and he said, I'm out. And he walked out and all the other reporters like, what the hell? They got mad at me. I said, I don't know. It's a fair question. So uh, I felt like I kind of put myself beyond my colleagues there. So it was kind of not the best moment, but I did obviously get under his skin and, I, to this day, stand by Yay. that point. You're, so you were, you were asking the question. Uh, I think that's a good one. Um, guilty pleasure TV show or your most recent binge? 
Oh, well, the bear. Oh, yeah, is it good? You like it? I, I don't, I'm, I'm not guilty. I don't feel guilty at all about it. If yeah, I was yeah. gonna say it, if I was gonna say a guilty one, I'd say Jack Ryan because I find it kind of cheesy. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Typical yeah. like 80s, 90s adventure, yeah. whatever, you know, whatever. I mean, we all loved it as kids growing up, but like, um, no, I mean, the bears, the bears it right now, man, for me. Great. Okay. I, I bartend part time uh, sometimes to pay the bills, you know, and, uh, you know, I've done a lot of restaurant work. I know a lot of people in the industries around North America, and uh, I just connected to that so much. And uh, it, it was, Definitely a, a moving show for me. Guys I worked with in the industry have told me that it'll give me PTSD watching. Yeah, man. That's how stressful <laughs> it gets. It's yeah, cool. I know. I remember. Um, uh, pinch me moment, someone you interviewed or a situation. I mean, I saw you drinking out of the cup. I saw those pictures. <laughs> Your daughter in the cup. So those yeah. take those out of it. Well, I mean, I, I would go back to we started the show when we were talking about my moments with Rex there at the uh, – yeah. Before that's the cup season and after it, I think that that's obviously one of them. And I, um, I would say probably, yeah, just sitting there up in a press box watching those guys celebrate on the ice when they won the cup. Um, that was pretty cool. Just watching the whole thing from above. And then I would say, you know, after everything the city went through, uh, that Bergeron oh. goal against the Leafs uh, yeah. after the marathon bombings. I, I, I think those those are top three right there. Nice. Those are good ones. Uh, start, bench, or cut? French toast, waffles, and pancakes. Start, bench, or cut? Well, that's the PG version of, uh, what is it? Uh, kill, Mary fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I interview a lot of the... Well, uh, I'm, I'm pancakes all the way. Okay. All right, so that and would be what, what you say was uh, French. What are the other French choices? To French toast to waffles. French toast waffles. All right. Uh, any player as a kid, any sport that you looked up to, emulated? Uh, yeah. I mean, I was always the smallest guy. So I definitely, uh, I grew up, my dad was from Boston, uh, Boston College alum, had season tickets to football. So I grew up watching the uh, Flutie years. Yep. So definitely the the little guy Doug Flutie, or Lord to me, till became a Trumper later in life. But that's a whole other <laughs> story. Um, and, and you know he was great. And I I, I think also, um, you know, I look at like a guy like uh, Reggie Lemlin. Yeah. Who I, I he was, I I kind of clung to him because he kind of came out of nowhere and you know, kind of captivated the city. And he was, he was kind of a Cinderella story uh, those years, that 88 year yeah. when he took them to the cup uh, and they, you know, they beat the Canadians for the first Stand time. Stand up goalie. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, so like that, that. Uh, that 88 was 88 was the first time they beat the Canadians. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. And bonus was the coach, right? No, no. 88. Oh. It was uh bonus was a coach in 92 when they, swept. that was the sweep. That was the first time. 88 they was Terry O'Reilly. Terry O'Reilly. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It was the bonus year we went. I remember it was when they first time they swept the Canadians in the playoffs, and we went mm. to the old garden. And Peter Doris scored the winner. We, everybody had out, out front, they were handing out like someone had like a truck full of brooms and they cut off all the end. <laughs> 
And I remember we took a broom and I stuffed it down the back of my pants. And that's when the cops patted you down in the old garden. And the cop patted me down and he goes, what the hell is this? And I'm like, well, it's a broom for the sweep. He's like, enjoy yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, that was good. I was at that game and uh, I remember that there was a guy next to me who, you know, when Peter Doris scored the empty netter with I don't know how many seconds were left and you know the garden just went nuts they knew it's that that's when all the brooms started yeah. coming on the ice and this guy pulls out like uh, he had a replica canadian's jersey and he used to say hold this and all of a sudden he lit it on fire <laughs> and he took the thing and threw it on the ice on fire it was on the ice and patrick Waugh was looking at it like trying to get the rest attention they come over and they had to put it out yeah that was a great memory yeah the old garden was a, a di little different uh favorite off-season pastime uh sleep yeah <laughs> probably the honest most honest answer we've gotten from anybody ever uh i know you're a big music guy your music festival any three artists or bands living or dead who you got Ooh, living or dead yep oh wow come on too many. that's that's too many uh you want to do three that have passed and three that no, are no, still with us? Do that. No worries. No worries. Rolling Stones. Okay. Um. Amy Winehouse. Oh, good one. And the Clash. Oh, that I would think you would sell out. Uh, last one for you. You don't have to reach out to them. You talked about Rex. Uh, famous, most famous person in your phone. In my phone, Ooh. not someone that I'm going to ask you to call. Nothing like that. Just who do you got? Uh, Dave Girl. Oh yeah, he honestly might be. Regardless of his music, he might be one of my favorite. I don't know people. if it's still his number. But... No, it doesn't matter. Don't ever call <laughs> it. I've never tried to call it. Is. Yeah, <laughs> but he it's in there. Is... What a great guy he is, though. Yeah. From everything you see when he shows up at that Westboro Baptist playing disco music to bringing yeah. kids on stage. I mean, just a great Yeah, I got like to meet him. Um, it's funny. It was, it, was re it was recently one of my Facebook memories. Uh, 2015, they played two nights at Fenway. And one night, the Dropkicks opened up for him. And the other night, the Mighty Mighty Boston's did. And I knew the boss. Well, I knew both bands pretty well, but the Boston's uh, Dickie B from the Boston's called yep. me about a month before the show. And he knew like knew I was pretty tight with Bill, the spaceman Lee. Uh, and he said, if you could get Bill Lee to come on stage with us at Fenway, uh, you've got VIP and I owe you forever, you know, and your free tickets to any show, whatever. And, and I did it and I had VIP. And so I, I met Dave Grohl. Uh, that night it's pretty amazing. We we were hanging out in a uh, in the visitors dressing room in Fenway. Dave Grohl, Julian Edelman, the Boston's, the Murphys, Bill the Spaceman Lee, and a bunch of other people. And it was uh, <laughs> that was a night to remember. That's an eclectic an eclectic gathering, I would say, for yeah. to say the least. Yeah. That's great though. And what a, a setting story. too. I mean, you're sitting there in uh, in Fenway. Uh, our area to watch the show was the dugout, the visitors' dugout there. So it, it was amazing. Oh, that's a great one. What a, that might be the best one. We always ask people this, and they're like, "Oh, I, this person," and they don't always give the story attached. So that makes that one much better. Yeah. 
Oh, that's great. Well, all right. Last thing I'm going to, and this is, this is the cheesiest one. You going to, you want a prediction for the Bruins wild card out of the playoffs? Oof. I'm just going to say they make the playoffs. That's all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. They make the playoffs. Uh, well, this is a Boston Bruins edition of the morning skate. Ked will be very upset as the Rangers guy. But we, the people here all love it. And, uh, no, Murph, I want to thank you for doing this. Like I said, been following you for a long time. So it's a, it was a, great to have you on. Real thrill. Anytime, man. Cheers. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Like, subscribe, and all that jazz. And fo- you can find Murphy at Boston Hockey Now. All his articles, very prolific. You find him constantly with updates. Thanks for watching or listening, I guess, not watching.